Hello out there in Lesbo land. Welcome back to the After Ellen podcast. I'm your host, Jocelyn McDonald, managing editor of AfterEllen.com, the pop culture site that plays for your team. So today on the podcast, we're excited to be interviewing Frankie French. She is the out bisexual comedian who won NBC's stand-up competition this year. And I do want to say before we kick off this podcast that like all After Ellen podcasts, this is going to have adult themes. It's a probably not appropriate for young listeners. And this episode is going to go deep into some emotional topics and it will discuss trauma and sexual violence in depth. So if that sounds like something that would upset our listeners, this podcast might be one to skip. And there is going to be a second podcast with Frankie French because our interview ran so long, we're actually breaking it up into two episodes. We love Frankie. We couldn't stop talking to her. So if you might find these topics triggering, then you should definitely check out episode two of this two-part podcast with Frankie French. Okay, now let's dive into this. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is tell me about the NBC contest that you just did. Yeah, yeah. So uh, every year, NBC does, it used to be called I'm going to take one of these out because it's okay. talking to talk and listen. Um, so every year they do stand up for diversity. It used to be called now it's called stand up NBC mm-hmm. um, to be more inclusive, which I think is great uh, because you find different people from all walks of life um, that may not present in a way that would be conducive for diversity. So kind of opening it up, um, I think is great. I've gotten to meet a lot of great people, but they do it every year and they go to five different cities. Um, last year, I want to say they went to, Texas, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, and LA. I, I want to say it was a five last year. And they, they see about 100 comics in person. That um, It's an open call for that first round. But before they get to the open call, they also open it up where remotely some for, for some of the cities, or maybe all the cities, you can submit a video. Oh, okay. Um, and they look at that video and then decide if they want to bring you back for round two, which happens usually the following day. Some some cities the same day, um, the following day um, where they are called are the callbacks. So I have actually auditioned <laughs> for uh, four years in a row. I yeah. So I found out about it. I started coming in 2013. I found out about the contest in 2014, and of course only after a year, I should be the world's greatest sensation. So yeah. why not go and audition for stand-up NBC, right? No. Um, so, you know, I went 2014, 15, 16, 17, to no avail. Mm. One year I did submit a video and got accepted to advance to the callback. And then I, I of course, <laughs> went in person and watched my callbacks. I'm like... a a terrible test taker. Like I'm horrible at auditions. Mm-hmm. I'm so self-conscious and insecure and uncomfortable. And everything is just bad. You know what I mean? And people always, you know, Frankie, you're so confident. And I'm like, Shh. <laughs> I'm terrified every moment of every day. Wow. <laughs> Tell anyone, yeah. you know, so it's I Mm-hmm. Oh, is, is this process like American Idol? Like, are they, is it judges and people audition? I mean, I know you said you can send in videos, but 
are they, the audition process is that part of the um what they end up um broadcasting well no it's not it's not broadcast so it's not on tv so the 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 contest happens you know kind of behind the scenes so to speak people in the industry everyone knows about the contest um and you know some of the alumni are like Dion cole and um, brandon c jackson they'll say Sloan. i don't know if you're familiar with all those names but those are some of the people that have won past contests have been you know in, in the finals of the contest but it happens offline, um, yeah. so this is done like in real life in real time. I'm... And the very first in audition is just one minute, sixty seconds. <laughs> so it's like two jokes. Yeah. <laughs> they better hit. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. If you're auditioning, you better just you better make that sixty seconds work because if it, you know what I mean, it's sixty seconds. Yeah, you can hold your breath for sixty seconds. Most people, you know, can hold their breath for sixty seconds. It goes by like that. It's so fast. Yeah. And like I said, I don't audition well. And that's something that I've, I have always known about myself. But this year, 2018, um, a lot of things were different. You know, yeah. I had gone through this like major process of healing mm. and kind of becoming a more true version of myself. What did you do? Like go on an ayahuasca retreat or something? What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> you are hilarious. No, I um, life just kind of happened. It was it's really, really interesting process. Most people go to therapy and get, you know, regressed or you know, confront their trauma from their past by talking it through. Yeah. But quite literally, my trauma from my past like was kind of came into my face. Yeah. That didn't sense it Um, just popped up in real life, so to speak. You know, yeah, I don't know how deep of a dive you want to go. I'm I'm open to share. Yeah, I, I, I want to know. Oh, okay. So <laughs> one, one of the biggest things that was holding me back, kind of in my mm. in my life, just living my regular human life, was being assaulted by my uncle when I was a kid. Oh okay. shit! And, um, is that okay? Can we? Can I go here? Is that okay? Let's go yeah. deep. Okay. Yeah, All right. So, okay. We're gonna do a deep dive. <laughs> so um. You know, and I mean gross sexual assault. You know, yeah. like not, you know, and not that they're. I don't want to diminish anyone's experience if they had a. You know, I don't want to say lesser, but if they had a milder experience with that, I don't, I'm not saying that that makes it less. However, mm. you know, the worst that you can think of, that's what happens. That's it. Okay. You know, like yeah, all of the darker, the just horrible, horrible things for a long period of time, for years, right? Mm. When you were a child. Yes. Yeah, when I was a kid. So, and no one believed me. And not only did no one believe me, but, you know, my, my mother, you know, who didn't raise me and I had a very tumultuous relationship with and did not have in my life most of the time of my life. You know what I mean? So, uh, but she was very much around during that time frame mm-hmm. and just say the most horrific things like about me around, you know, yeah. basically if it happened, it was my fault. You know what I mean? So, um. I had a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of, you know, hurt, a lot of things kind of around that, that I just stuck down. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no one's going to help me. You know, no one's going to stop it. I'm just going to, I'll just stuff it down and we'll just pretend like it didn't happen. And as long as we can keep it smushed down underneath these cakes and cookies and pies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, then we'll be fine. Right. Like that's how it works. Right. 
Mm-hmm. It does not work like that. You can't, mm-hmm. I don't care what you go through and I don't care how strong you are. I'm a pretty freaking strong person. Mm-hmm. You can't stuff your past down. You can't run from it. You can't act like it didn't happen. You have got to confront it. Mm-hmm. And what I learned through this experience is that if you don't actively confront it and actively seek to get better, it will confront you. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I, and I mean this in the literal sense. My uncle mm-hmm. lives in New York, has always been born and raised in New York. Um, having not seen him in 20 years, at least, probably, you know, not seen him in 20 years, okay? And I'm driving for Lyft. Mm. In the, and I live in Virginia, mind you, and I'm driving in DC and I have a passenger in the car. And this guy walks right in front of my car and I'm like, have to break the hip. Yep. It's my uncle. Yeah. Oh not my God. You were not kidding. Confronting yeah. immediately no, in real life. Right? It's face to face. Holy shit. Face to face. Full body chills, right? Full, but bo- I just got full body chills. In front of someone, a stranger. Yeah. And so I'm sitting in my car. Mind you, I have a passenger in my car. Right. Now I'm stopped in the street. And it wasn't a big street. It was like a residential street. So uh-huh. there were cars like, you know, actively moving. But my uncle is now standing in front of me. He's not, he doesn't even see me. He's not there for okay. me. Yeah. He's, he is, but he doesn't know that. Right. He's, he's not like scanning. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's in a car. And I'm sitting there in utter disbelief. Right. And my, I make myself say that well, he's not really there. Keep, you know, drive your passenger, get your passenger to their destination safe mm-hmm. and go home. Yeah. <laughs> is what I told myself, right? So I drop my passenger off and I'm, and I drop him off and I'm just sitting in my car like, did that happen? that, did that happen? So I had, so this is a, it's a weird thing about trauma, about this kind of trauma, especially when, Maybe, and maybe no matter what age, but I, I think it may be more prevalent when you're a child and you're kind of forming your brain and forming the things that make you who you are. Uh-huh. And you, you know, you get, I was literally right back in that moment when I saw him. Immediately regressed. Just like, I'm the kid again please. who can't speak yeah. up for myself. Yeah, absolutely not. I wanted to please him. I wanted to take care. Whatever. Yeah. Immediately, instantly, all of those feelings came up. And here's, here's the crazier part. I had been following him on social media all these years. Oh. And every time his face would pop up on my feed, I would get sick, but I couldn't delete it. And I, and I don't, and I don't know why, I don't know what that was, but that was how I was processing my trauma. I couldn't yeah. delete it. And it's like, I was, you know, and I'm not going to sit and try to analyze it. I don't have any, mm-hmm. you know, psychotherapy or uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I'm not a, a uh, what is the word when you study how to be yeah. a therapist? Uh, yes. Uh, psychology. I don't have any psychology <laughs> education in my background. We're right. both like, uh, what are words? <laughs> I knew it in my heart. <laughs> Whenever I don't want to do something for someone, usually it's my daughter or husband, then I say to them, I want to in my heart. And <laughs> we have a good laugh about it. <laughs> so thank you for that, that we are best friends now. So uh, I immediately went on to Instagram and when I got home, not immediately when I got home and I sent him a message and I said, are, and now again, have not spoken to this man. Mm-hmm. And I said, are you in DC? And he's like, Hey, yeah, I am. 
what? And he tells me that he's really sick. This now, no, you know what? This was like one or two days after that because I couldn't. Took you a minute to just. Took my brain a minute to, like, no, there's no way. There isn't, he's never left New York. There's no way. Yeah. He literally has never left New York. So anyway, he's like, well, I'm really sick and I'm in the hospital. My instant knee jerk was, you have to help him. Go to, you need to go take care of him. He has no one here. He, he needs you. Literally, this is how my sick brain mm-hmm. was thinking. That face you have, that's how, when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, girl. That's Ooh. what was really going on in your heart. So part of me was like, girl, no. <laughs> girl, no, wrong girl, run. No, no. Don't do it. So, so anyway, to make a long story short, I allowed this person like into my life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, my thought was, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I was logically thinking. I can tell you what my trauma was thinking. I can tell you what that was thinking. My trauma was thinking, you have no power. This person holds all the power. He's a good person because everyone that loved you said he was a good person. And that he would never have done anything horrible to you. Absolutely. And if he did, it was probably because you were soliciting it in some way. 100%. 100%. I was the sexiest preteen oh, on the planet, apparently. Right? So whatever happened was my fault. And I need to make amends to this person. This is right. Yeah. All girlfriend, girl, girl. girl. <laughs> I wish I could just can your face, open up and eat little bits of it, you know, when I needed to in these moments, because this is what my trauma was being. This is what it was. Thinking. And you know, and I was being nice and loving and I would make him take him food. You know, all kind of crazy, crazy insane. He meets my daughter. Oh. Okay. Who's now 14. And um, she tells me later, he invited me to come and watch TV with him. And I didn't feel comfortable with that. So I went to my room. I told him no. And I went to my room. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, you don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So now my, I'm, anxiety is like on a thousand Mm -hmm. and here's here's the thing here's what i think with that whole situation what was happening and why i allowed him to even be in my space and around my child in my mind on some level i think i thought i'm going to protect my daughter i'm going to save her if i save her i can save me too Mm -hmm. you get what i mean if i can protect her then i can protect that girl that's inside of me that was never protected. Mm-hmm. If I stop and the cycle him, with you, right? If I can mm-hmm. stop him from assaulting her, maybe he will never have assaulted me, mm-hmm. right? So later that evening, I pulled him aside, and now, mind you, my husband knows nothing of any of this. Mm-hmm. He knew what happened to me, but he didn't know that this was the person. Oh, fuck! Right. Oh. right. So I confront him and I said, you know, I need to be very clear about something. My daughter is off. And, and just listen to the phrasing. My daughter is off limits. Yeah. There's no reason for you to associate with her, to talk with her, to invite her to do anything, to give her a ride anywhere. She doesn't need you for anything. And, you, and, I, and, and I said, as a matter of fact, don't even speak to her. If you see her, you just walk, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So my husband's like, this is a 
very weird conversation and started putting two and two together. Mm. And of course, the next few days figured it out, came and asked me, you know, can we talk about something? Mm. And asked me if, what was going on with that. And I admitted, I was like, yeah, that's what's going on. He was like, I would have a never. There are no circumstances under which I would have allowed him to be. Yeah. Said, I don't know what's going on, but clearly you need to work through, you know what I mean? Something's happening for you that you need. You let me know what you need from me. Is basically uh-huh. what I have to know. Because I will go and beat the shit out of him right now, throw him into the street, piss on him, and sounds Never like a good partner that's exactly oh, what you'd be looking fantastic. for <laughs> yeah he's, he's absolutely fantastic so um and i said you know what i said no i said i'm not i'm not 100 sure what's going on but i need to do this and mm-hmm. i don't know why but i need to, this needs to happen so anyway probably about a week after that i found out that he had had a conversation with my mother-in-law and he said something to the effect of i don't know why Frankie is so upset with me. I don't know why she started to treat me bad or something like that. It, it might have something to do with what happened when we were kids, but we were all kids, and I don't know, you know, and I don't really even remember what happened. That's what he oh, said. Okay. And yeah. That kind of circulated back to me, and I lost my shit. So someone's was, actually acknowledging that something did happen. You are acknowledging that something happened. You are acknowledging it. So well, I'm also minimizing it. it. Not beyond minimizing it. You're saying that you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You're at least ten years my senior, at minimum. Okay, and I'm because I'm not a hundred percent sure how old he is, but I'm then I would like to actually say probably fifteen years older than me, mm. but minimum ten. So let me be very clear: we were never children at the same time. Uh huh. Okay. That you and I were kids at the same time. We weren't kids together. Yeah. Okay. This is what I said to him after I heard this. I was like, I came to him and I said, you know. I need to say something to you and I need you to hear me with all of your ears and your everything. I need you to listen to me and hear me. And I laid out for him every vile thing that he did to me. The most crass language that I could possibly use in the most disgusting terms that I could possibly use because I wanted him to feel exactly how I felt in that. I want you to understand Mm -hmm. the gravity of what you, an adult person, that to me, a child, mm-hmm. you performed very adult acts to me, on me, and forced me to do things to you that no, not even someone who's an adult and still a virgin should go through. You know what I, like this, mm-hmm. it's not. There's no sense hard. of consent on any level. No. No, no, I didn't have, I didn't have a choice and you're not going to have a choice in this moment. You're going to listen. And I said all of the stuff and the things and I said, now, after this moment, I want you to be gone. Mm. And I never want you to darken my doorstep or my Mm. life anyway, ever again. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you, when I woke up the next day, it was like, it's like if, have you ever been, this is going to be a weird question, but have you ever been sprayed with me? I have, right in the eyeballs. All right. <laughs> you know, we get that oof of the of the stuff. I got sprayed in Mason High School. Okay. My very dear friend, Sarah Bell, Sarah, if you're listening to this, it was yes, it was you. Um, there one of probably one of the people I admired most as a kid, but she was just one of those kids that got it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just kind of walked through life, like understood how it all works and how you know, 
And I was just like, wow, she's talking to people. I didn't know how to talk to people. That's how much of a nerd I was. And she was outside and sprayed her mace and the wind carried it and basically maced everyone that was standing outside. Oh my God. That said, you know, when that cloud comes, once it dissipates and you can actually breathe, like once it's all the way gone and your eyes are clear and your mouth is clear and your nose are clear and your skin's not burning and you're like, oh, that's what it felt like the next day. Wow. This toxin was just, it was out of my system. Yeah, like you'd spent your whole life covered in mace. and My whole entire life. (laughs) From head to the bottom of my feet. And Mason, it was just gone. Mm. It was gone. It was like he never existed. And then wow. I, and that morning, I went online. I deleted him from all social media, blocked him from all social media. And it's like I couldn't do that. Couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about, I would sit on my phone, staring at his social media page, hovering over the block, and yeah. couldn't not, I could not do it. Yeah. And now, the only time I even think of him are in moments like this when people ask me, well, what's the difference? What changed? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, do you really want to know? Because <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> but I say all of that to say, one, you can't run, like I said, you cannot run from your past. Mm-hmm. It will find you and you will deal with it. And you have to be, you know, whatever you can do to reasonably prepare for that therapy. I don't know, but go and prepare for it. If you have any unpacked items in your storage unit of your soul, go and unpack it seriously because if not the boxes will erode and all that shit's going to fall out anyway Mm -hmm. you know so i all my whole life thought that i would never be a whole person wow and i became okay with being 60 percent of a human and i've always figured that well this is this 60 percent is my hundred percent so i'm going to be happy and thankful for the 60 percent you know because i don't know any different i've never felt a hundred percent in my whole life. I don't even know what that is. And once, and actually where the growth initially started was with the Black Women in Comedy Festival last year. Okay. I got a lot, yeah. It was just amazing and incredible to see all these women that look like me, but all so very different. And all, you know, women in comedy, women in entertainment have it hard. Women of color have it harder. Black women have it hardest, I would venture to say. Just from my personal experiences, right? And we are, and one of the things, especially in comedy, that's so difficult to overcome as a black woman, and I'm not a skinny girl, you know, I'm a um, pleasingly plump woman. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when I step onto a stage, people have an instant assumption of what I'm going to be, what I'm going to do. They assume, oh, well, she's going to be deaf comedy jam Monique. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And if you see my stand, and there's nothing wrong with that. Monique is dope. A huge fan. Love her. Think she's amazing. Would I work with her? Of course, please. If you see this, Monique, hire me for something. Anyway, <laughs> but if you see my stand-up, I'm not that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not even sort of that. I'm not going to get to be that. You know, so people get, I don't know if they get, I wouldn't say disappointed, but they, a lot of times they get confused. Like, ah, well, I don't know what to do with that type of black. Yeah. You know, that's just, literally, can you black it up a bit? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you be a little more hood? Wow. Can, you know, can you be a little ghetto? Mm. I'm like, oh, and I always say, well, can you define that? What, what, do, you, what do you mean right. by that? And try not to be I, racist I know when you, you do. It's not going to make you be fully racist. You're mm-hmm. going to be fully, completely mm-hmm. racist. 
you know? So all of that started with that. I started kind of working these baby steps in like healing and just being around all these women and seeing the diversity within our diversity was really amazing. Yeah. Like, so I ended up doing a comedy tour with these other four black women that I met there. One I actually known for years, but I met three other women, Khalees Hawkins, Ashima Franklin, and Mimi Simpson, um, and Davina Joy uh, out of LA. Um, and we all did like a mini two city tour. That's that cool. was amazing on random nights of the week. And we almost sold them out. You know what I mean? Four, five, not very well-known black women, like and just doing it literally on our own, no sponsorship, no support, no help from anyone. And it was a really nice experience. And everyone that kind of came away from that was like, wow, I didn't know what to, to expect coming here. I was expecting to see, you know, five of basically the same person. Yeah. yeah, Monique, just five Moniques. <laughs> Monique. Yeah, Moni, 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 and Moni in the middle. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. no, they're like, you guys are so different. Mm-hmm. Even your comedy styles are different. Your stories are different. I'm like, yeah, because we're all human. It's almost like everyone's got an individual voice. <laughs> it's so weird. It's almost <laughs> like you're different people. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, kind of brought me to a, a place of healing. And then this situation with my uncle. And I never realized, because after I experienced those things, I was like, oh my God, I'm healed. I feel better. I feel great. Wow. But I did Right. And then my world came crashing down again. You know, and I was like, okay, wait a minute. I don't feel great. I'm not mm. healed. I still haven't mm-hmm. dealt with this. And that was the biggest thing. You know, and I have, like, the my mother processing tried to begins. Me when I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, put me in a car, took a bunch of sleeping pills and, and drove until she crashed. Yeah. <laughs> Mother of the year. Huh? Mother of the year. Oh, she also ran over my brother when he ran away from home and put me in the car and made me watch it. Yeah. It's, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trauma on trauma on trauma on trauma. You know what oh, I mean? God, and yeah. so, but with all of that, the biggest thing that was holding my, like, my entire existence down mm-hmm. was what my uncle put me through. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was the base trauma and like not being believed and not being able to yeah, express yourself yeah, and step no into cares. your power. It was all going to be bullshit on top of that from the like bullshit. initial. Girl, girl, girl. Yes to all of that. Yes to all of that. You know, and I got to a place where I would never talk about it. Mm-hmm. I would never bring it up, you know, because I learned as a kid, well, when you talk about that, people say terrible things about you and to you. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's going to believe you. Don't tell everyone that you're a whore. You know what I mean? Is what came into my mind is what I grew to understand that to, to me. And being able to confront that, I can't even tell you how amazing I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel incredible, like, unbelievably amazing. So when this NBC thing came around this time, I was kind of in that, I was in that space. That's the space mm-hmm. that I was in, right? This This place of Healing and my uh, good friend of mine from high school had just passed away mm-hmm. as well. And I was actually going to New York. That's where I auditioned was in New York. I was going there to uh, do a show that Friday night, come home on the bus Saturday and go to his, his funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend came to my show and she goes, Frankie, you should really go and audition for stand up NBC. And I was like, uh, and so now here's, here's the, the other way that I have grown just generally within myself. I have always expected 
maximum, maximum accountability from people in my life. But here's the caveat. I am not accountable for anything because my life's been hard. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you need to understand that. So I'm going to be kind of it's a piece a of shit. Street. Okay. Yeah. Total one way street. I'm going to be a mild piece of shit, but you're going to understand it because of what I've been through. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. So one of the things that I was kind of shitty about is not passing through stand up NBC. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, and another person that I knew was like, well, you know, it's rich. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. clearly. Because I haven't won, so it must be. <laughs> I haven't won it. So no duh. It's red. And you know, and he's telling me, you know, only people with managers like really even pass through. You don't have management. You're never gonna, you know, they're never gonna take you seriously. You know, this is just they do all of these other people, it's all just for show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. Because now the onus is not on me to be good, it's on them for being pieces of industry shit and not doing this This isn't fair. So last year, 2018, two years ago, 2018, I was in LA for a show. I was doing um, Marcella, Marcella's show. And I never pronounced her last name correctly, but I'm gonna look it up before I go to give her a shout out because I don't mean any disrespect. Mm -hmm. But Marcella Aguella, I think is how you pronounce it, but I may be wrong. Anyway, I'm Googling it now. Yes, please. She's got a show at Hollywood Improv called uh, Woman Crush Wednesdays. Arguello? Arguello? That's, can you, would you spell it? A-R-G-U-E-L-L-O. She's super cute. She's got like she's, wicked curly hair. And she's hair. the tallest human. She's so oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. She's six two. I know. I love her. She's so fair. I love tall women. <laughs> I know. And she feels <laughs> her height. You know what I mean? Like, I know. you know, a lot of times women are made to feel small just in general really tall people want to diminish you as much as possible because how dare you be a tall be that tall and not be a man how dare you so threatening she's just like flicking flicking the flies off she's so fantastic but she has this all woman show that she does called woman crush wednesdays at hollywood improv i went there in 2018 i did it in the month of november like kind of around my birthday right super excited to do it and be at the improv for the first time and then I was there for like a week. So I'm like bouncing around to other clubs. I go to Laugh Factory and Mike E. Winfield is there. Mike E. won in 2018. I didn't know okay. anything about that because I had skipped the 2018 Santa NBC because they were not going to get Corporate my time. shells. <laughs> no. huh? Corporate shells. They don't deserve yeah. you. No, they weren't, weren't going to get my time. Those fakes mm-hmm. and phonies. There's no yeah. way. So I'm at Laugh Factory 2018 and I see this guy on stage who is murdering and i'm like who is how come i don't know who this is right so he comes off stage i follow him outside like a psychopath and i'm like hey just so you know i'm not a psychopath i'm also a comedian out of dc you're fantastic who are you so we're outside talking a little bit someone walks up and says hey mike congratulations and then he keeps walking and so i'm like oh what are they congratulating you for right because duh what's that and he goes oh i just won stand-up nbc and I said, hmm, I said, really? And I was like, you know what? I said, that's amazing. Like, cause to me at the time, like it was such an impossible goal. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen to real regular humans. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, now I'm like, who is he? He's gotta be special. You know, clearly I see why he won. He just annihilated that stage. And I, so I said to him, I said, you know what? I'm gonna go audition next year and I'm gonna win. And he yeah. goes, you know what, do it. And I was like, 
So okay, you done. Dapped each other up, you know, in proper black person fashion, and we went our separate ways, right? So now fast forward, and I'm in New York doing the one show. My friend says, "Hey, come and audition with me," and I'm like, Ugh. you know, I got this funeral to go. She's like, "Well, you can go do the audition. It's at 9 a.m. Go. If you don't make it, just go home." I'm like, you know what? Fine, fuck it. I'll come with you. I'll sleep outside in the New York streets overnight. Of oh, it's it's that grueling, like because. We're comics. Mm-hmm. They're only taking the first 100 comics. Yeah. So obviously, after my last set of the night, I'm gonna go get online because I'm not an idiot. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there's probably when I get there, there's like I want to say there were like 40 people in line when I got mm-hmm. there. So we, me and my my friend, uh, get in line, and by the time the next morning comes, there's like 300. There's a lot. There's so many yeah. comics in line. So. We're sitting there and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go and do this thing for a minute. Hate everyone when I don't pass through. And I'm going to catch my bus, go to my friend's funeral and cry for the rest of the day. This sounds amazing. Yeah. Are you okay? I, I'm still listening to you, but I have to pl- plug in my computer or it's going to die. <laughs> you want me to keep talking or should I wait till you come back? I'm going to wait. All right, we'll just edit that bit out. You're waiting online. You're waiting online, um, like overnight. Waiting in the line overnight. Now, one of the things I did every year is I would go out to mics for like two weeks straight, three, four, five mics a night. And I would work, work, work and try to perfectly craft the perfect one and two minute set in case I did pass through. And then I was going to wow them with the already perfectly crafted five minute set that I had, you know, so I would go out like every night and I could never properly execute it. So this year or, or when I was sitting in line uh, last year, I said to myself, you know, I am going to just think of a couple of things that are funny. I only have 60 seconds. I'm going to go in. I'm going to say a couple funny things. They're going to like it or they're not. And then I'm going to go to my friend's funeral. Like I can't, there's so many, there's worse things happening to me right now than this audition. I'm probably not going to get it anyway, but whatever. Right. At the same time, I had this weird, this weird voice in the back of my head saying, And I'm like, you shut have up, to whisper louder. <laughs> shut up, idiot. Like, shut up, stupid. So I go in and I literally just made up some thought, things that I thought were funny while I was in the car. Yeah. That's stressful. You're stressing me out. You had a plan and you went with extemporaneous. Wow. I just, I went with, oh, seat of my pants is fine. So <laughs> I guess that's how it works in every fake in every movie about comedy also. So like, how dare you become a living stereotype of a comedy movie? When I tell you how many, this is why I think that my expectations in life are always so unrealistic Mm -hmm. because I've had so many fake movie moments in my real life that I never believe, I don't ever believe it can't happen. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. You know what I mean? People are like, well, that's yeah. not possible. I'm like, oh, but it kind of is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have, <laughs> I met Eminem one time, which is all. <laughs> My editor in chief is obsessed with Eminem. She's gonna love that. So how oh, like? oh no, I'm gonna send you a link then to the podcast that tells the whole story. And okay. please share it with her because it's one of the most bizarre, impossible, that's not how life works stories ever happen. But ain't but my point of saying that is I had this belief at mm -hmm. that in that moment before that day before I met him that if I dyed my hair. Because my hair, I had this big blonde afro at the time, but my roots were really, really long. And we were going, so friends of mine were opening for him. And we were supposed to go and support their, their show. And we were late getting there because I told my sister, there's no way I can go until I dye my roots. Okay, because you didn't want Eminem to see you without your hair being good. My thought process was, but I told myself <laughs> that if I don't dye my hair, uh, that little dumbass voice that I told you about earlier was like, hey, Frank. It was doing that then. It was like, hey, Frank dye your hair and you'll meet Eminem. I'm like, you're just an idiot, but I'm going to do it. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Long story short, I did meet him, listen to the podcast, you know, I'll send it to you so you can hear it. But anyway. It so sounds like I, your voice is actually your guardian angel. You need to lean in. <laughs> oh, I'm going to lean it now. That's all I've been doing. It's like, what'd you say, bitch? Okay, go yeah. talk to me. So stand on one leg, hop around three times and eat a pretzel, done. You know? <laughs> if that's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next so, step yeah so i so i go into the audition and my like i told you before i don't audition well i'm always very nervous very uncomfortable so i go up to the, the mic they call me and i'm like so here's the other funny thing the voice says to me hey you know you're gonna go first right and i was like shut up stupid sure enough coming to the stage <laughs> Freddie french on deck blah 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 and i'm like Everyone's worst nightmare. Everyone's You're just living it. The worst possible scenario, right? So I get up, and mind you, I've written these jokes while sitting in line. And I had just, within like a month or two, started talking about my bisexuality on stage. I never talked about it on stage before. Oh. And not for nothing, not because I was in the closet, but I do have a daughter. I'm married to a man. And all she knows is that my mom and dad, these are my parents, and they're married. And that's you guys her like of Holly. You're not like always on the hunt for more. <laughs> well, we do <laughs> have, a, we have an open relationship. My husband oh. and I do. Oh, oh how but modern. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I actually I, heard some jokes about that when I was watching your YouTube. It's okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. But people laugh, but it's like, oh no, these stories are, are real. Like I posted on my um, Facebook earlier. My husband and I are at the stage of quarantine where we're just openly FaceTiming our side pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, um, but she didn't know that, right? She doesn't, you know, because why does she, my kid, need to know like 11 at the time, yeah. She's a child and it's not relevant, you know? Yeah. So I was like, you know, I want, to, I think I should start talking about it. I think visibility is important and my platform is growing. And I think that it would be irresponsible if I don't talk about it. So yeah. I was like, ugh, um, I got to come out to my daughter now. Awkward is what I'm thinking, right? She's going to be like, you're married to my dad and sleeping with other women. You know, <laughs> I didn't know how to, that's what I envisioned in my mind, right? Um, and so I sit her, now mind you, my daughter is 14 now. Okay. At 10, she came out as gay, right? And, uh, <laughs> but I, and, uh, so I was like, oh. 
okay, great. No problem. Moving on. And she's like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. So now I got to come out to her. Wow. So like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've actually never heard of a scenario like that where the child comes out first. <laughs> what a right. bold little kid. I love her. I love your daughter. If you, you hopefully one day you will meet her. She's well, we're practically neighbors, so she's the, <laughs> she's the boldest, most hilarious person that I know. She's my favorite human that exists on the planet. Like she just keeps me so in check, and she's just <laughs> so hilarious. But anyway, yeah, she came to me ten years old. She's like, I need to talk to you, and I need you to not freak out about it. <laughs> so, so I said, my knee jerk was, "What is it? Are you gay?" And she goes. Well, now you've ruined my coming out, but yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I thought I was making it easier because clearly mommy's fine with it. You know, I don't, that's, do you want to be a question? You know, what are, What do you, what would you like to do? She's like, well, how did you know? And I, this is one of those moments that I have often in raising her where I go, huh, am I a comic? Or am I a mother? <laughs> Usually, nine times out of nine, I'm a comic. So, <laughs> she goes, how did you know? I said, well, last week you asked mommy if you could join the basketball team. Huge clue. Right there. Right there. Basketball Huge shorts clip. make you gay, actually. <laughs> so, but here, that's funny you say that because then I said, you, then the next day you came to me and said that if you don't make the team, you just want me to get you the uniform. <laughs> I said, girlfriend, only women love other women in uniform. Men are too weak for that. And she mm -hmm. and I had the biggest laugh of our lifetime. So now it's my turn to come out to her because I want to use my, you know, the totality of my life and my stand-up. Mm -hmm. So I sit her down. I was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And she's like, what, are you gay? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like okay. One hundred percent. See what you did. <laughs> but actually, I'm half. <laughs> she's like, "Oh, you're bi." She's like, "Oh, okay. Can I go back to my thing now?" I was like, "Oh, you don't have any questions." She's like, "No, mommy. I know how that works. Are you? Do you have a girlfriend or something you want me to meet?" I was like, "No." Wow. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, huh? I'm gonna." Guess we're done. You're good? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I've had sex ed. I get it. I'm like, oh, okay, great. And I'll tell you a story about sex ed later. But yeah, totally, perfectly fine with it. Doesn't really care. I have these stickers of one of my headshots. And underneath it, it says hashtag Vicon. And that's like her favorite thing. Isn't that fun? That's, cute. that's her favorite thing on the planet Earth. She's like, yeah, this is my mom. Like showing all of her friends. And I'm like, oh, wow. Not only is she cool with it, but she's proud of me. You know? Mm. Amazing. So I'm sitting in line and I'm like, okay, I need to uh, write some jokes. And so my first, I had just gotten my DNA done and uh, I'm weirdly like 25%, actually it's a little like 27% Irish. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of white. That's a lot of Caucasian living up in here, right? And so I'm like, what? Well, actually I'm like 14% Irish and then like 16% um, uh, Scottish, right? Okay. So 30%. But I use 25% because it's funny. 
So anyway, so the joke that I open with is, yeah, I recently got my DNA done and found out that I'm 25% Irish, which is weird until I remembered I got my, my results back from, or, sorry, until I remembered I got my test done at 23 and me too. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slave and rape joke, kind of all wrapped up in there. <laughs> You've just heard part one of our interview with Frankie French, the winner of NBC's stand-up competition. I had so much fun talking to Frankie French that I kind of couldn't stop. And that's why we've split this co- this interview into two episodes. So if you want to hear more from Frankie about being honest with yourself, coming out, and lots of lesbian love, then you're going to definitely want to tune into episode two. If you want to follow Frankie French, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter as at Frankie French. Frankie is spelled F-R-A-N-Q-I French. So give her a follow. And while you're at it, give us a follow at After Ellen. We are so glad that you tuned in and we can't wait to share episode two with you.